Mark chapter number 8, verse number 34. If you're there, say amen. The Bible said, when he called the people unto him, with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his, of his Father with the holy angels. Let's pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you this morning for being greater than, greater than every problem, greater than every power, greater than every persuasion. But I'm thankful this morning that I stand in the presence of and under the authority of the Almighty God. Lord, I'm thankful this morning that it's not up about my bravado, Lord, it's not about my skill set, my enthusiasm, or my excitement. Lord, it's all about you this morning. It had not been for Calvary. It had not been for you dying on the cross. It had not been for you resurrecting again the third day. Lord, everything we do this morning would have been and will be in vain. But Lord, I agree with Paul. We preach Christ crucified. We preach the gospel, the good news, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, that is the element, that is the ticket, that is the way of salvation. That is the truth that leads there. But Lord, it's so much more than that. Lord, the door that salvation opens is one that Lord will spend the rest of eternity learning and gleaning from. We ask you, Lord, this morning that you'd open up our hearts. Would you open up our ears? Help us to listen on purpose. God, help, help us to walk out of here different than the way we walked in. God, from the Christian to the sinner this morning, to the one that's outside the grace of God that's yet to come to you. God, to the one that is saved but is walking away. Father, would you work on our hearts? God, do the work that only you can do this morning. Lord, help us to get out the way and let you move. Let you work. We love you and we thank you. We'll give you all the glory and all the praise. Lord, it's been good to be in your house this morning. And Lord, thank you for showing yourself faithful one more time. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Right here in verse uh, number 34, there's a familiar phrase. And matter of fact, it's the, the title of my sermon this morning is Take Up Your Cross. We've heard it before. We, we know what it means. We've, we've probably heard it preached on. If you've been in church for any time, you've probably heard this phrase of taking up your cross, bearing your cross, carrying your cross for Jesus Christ. But I'm afraid the day and age that we live in, that word cross and the idea of the cross has become merely symbolic and religious. It has, we, we see a cross that's hanging around somebody's neck. It's hanging on the walls. We have it designed on our shirts and no doubt there's more, there's nothing wrong with putting a cross up in a church or having a cross on your church or on your shirt if it's a gospel witness. No doubt there's nothing wrong with that. 
But can I say this morning, the cross was never designed it was never created to be a, an embellishment on a shirt. It was never made to be a decoration on the wall. It was never made to be something that hangs on a, on a chain around your neck this morning. The cross was made for one decision. It was made for one, one reason this morning. It was made for one, 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 one action this morning. The cross was an instrument of death. When it was created, the Romans, I don't know if the Romans created it, but when it was practiced, if you were given a cross, it was never a good thing. You never received your cross and said, well, that's going to look really good on my wall. I can't wait to whittle that down and hang it around my deck. I can't wait to put that on my shirt. I can't wait for everybody to see my cross. No, when the cross was given to you, you knew that within moments, if not days, your time was up because the cross was an instrument of death. And can I say this morning, the cross has not lost that definition this morning and though we have it as a reminder of what Christ did for us, we must never forget that the cross was never, it is never something cute. It was never something like that. It's a reminder of death. Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is every man that hangeth on the tree. Colossians 2.4, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which is contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross this one. The cross has always been an instrument of death. And yet Calvary, yes, we're grateful for it this morning. And yes, we're, we're, we're thankful for it this morning. But I must remind you that Christ didn't hang on the cross because he had nothing else better to do. Christ didn't have, was just bored that day and said, you know what? I'm going to hang on a cross. No, Jesus hung on the cross to pay and to die for our sins this morning. And in verse number 34, Jesus talking to his disciples and talking to us this morning. Just take up your cross. Let me ask you this morning, where's your cross at? Where's your cross at? Take up your cross. Well, preacher, what do you mean? I need to go lay down my life. I, I need to go find me a cross and hang myself to. There was a young man uh, that used to go here and he used to work out all the time, had a body like Superman. But he would literally grab a wooden cross, run up and down these highways, not because he was trying to be spiritual. He just needed weight while he was running. I said, you have it, brother. You have it. I'm under grace. <laughs> no idea what that means, but that's, I'm just not going to run with the cross down the road. But notice this. He, <coughs> excuse me, verse number 34. He instructs us to take up a cross. But notice this. It's not just a cross. It's a personal cross. Take up your cross. Your cross. Why? Would Jesus want me and you to take up our cross? Why would he desire that from us? Why would he want that from us? Well, the, the truth is held there in the verse. Right before he tells you to take up your cross, he says, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. What does that mean? Me and you as Christians have to learn to tell our flesh No. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not that man anymore. I'm not that lady no more. Oh, I used to do that, but I don't do that anymore. Those things I used to watch, I don't watch them anymore. Those things I used to say, I don't say them anymore. Those things I used to do, I don't do them. It ain't a kid's song, it's truth this morning. And here, Jesus said, take up your cross and tell yourself no. Romans says it this way. For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. 
But if we through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, we shall live. Jesus wasn't punishing them here. Jesus wasn't mad at them. Jesus wasn't trying to to force his will upon them. He said, but if you're really going to follow me, you're going to have to tell your flesh no. You have to pick up your cross and follow after me. Well, preacher, how often should I do that? How often should I get up and say and tell my flesh, no, I'm following Jesus now. Here we're told here in Mark chapter number eight, we're told this, that we're to do it, but Luke referencing the same account at the same time. Here's the thing. Luke was a physician. I think it's quite Quite, quite hilarious, quite, quite interesting that God uses the physician to tell us the daily dosage. Luke chapter number nine, verse number 23, he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Daily, oh preacher, I did that 10 years ago. Well, that means you left your cross somewhere. Preacher, I, I, I picked up my cross five years ago when I used to do this and I used to do that, what about this morning? Did you pick up your cross? Did you pick up your cross this morning and bring it to church with you? Tomorrow morning when you get up and go to work, you're gonna bring your cross with you? We're told daily to take up our cross. Well, preacher, what if I don't want to? You don't have to. Jesus said, for whosoever. In essence, he's not gonna make you. He's not going to force you. But here's the thing. If you don't pick up your cross, you cannot raise your hands and say, I am following Christ. Because notice what he said right there in verse 34. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Preacher, I'm going to follow the Lord. Not without a cross, you won't. Preacher, I'm going to do all this for the Lord. I'm going to do this for the Lord. Not without picking up your cross and denying yourself, you won't. Preach on this thought this morning of picking up or taking up your cross. And here's the thing, if me and you heed the instructions and we follow the the layout that Christ gives us here in verse number 34, there are some definite benefits that come from it. Every Christian should daily pick up the cross and deny themselves because of the following benefits. When we do what Christ tells us to do, here's the secret to the Christian life. Do what Jesus tells you to do. Simple, isn't it? It ain't 19 steps. It ain't, a, it ain't a program. It ain't this. It ain't that. It is do what God tells us to do. Matter of fact, if Adam and Eve had just done what God told them to do, this world would be a lot different place this morning. But notice here this morning, there's some benefits that come when we pick up the cross. I'm not here this morning to badger you about leaving your cross. I'm here to encourage you to pick it back up. Follow after the Lord again. Ah, there's some benefits. Number one, those that pick up the cross and follow Christ will have the right incentive. They'll have the right incentive. Look at verse number 34. Follow me. Follow me. Somewhere along the line, I don't know when it happened. I don't know what generation is guilty of it this morning, but we've tried to turn Christianity into multi-level management programs. The more you do, the more you get. The more you serve, the more God loves you. The more you read, the more God loves you. The more you serve, the more God is going to give you. 
Can I say this morning, if your idea and your thought process is, if I do this, then God's going to give me something bigger and better this morning, you're working for the wrong reasons. You're serving for the wrong reasons. But it starts young. Think about it. Junior church, junior Sunday school. If you come, you get a big gold star. You get, you get <laughs> just like it was this morning, we had cinnamon rolls. Why? Wow, I'm trying to be your kid's favorite pastor. <laughs> I gave him cinnamon rolls and pop, not popsicles, what do they think? Lollipops and suckers and, and tootsie rolls because I want to be their favorite. But it starts in Sunday school. Listen, if you come every Sunday, we'll give you a prize. There's nothing wrong with that this morning. But if we're not careful, we'll teach them. The more you do, then you're automatically entitled to a greater blessing. It starts in Sunday school. Then it becomes read and study your Bible and God will call you to preach. No, it ought to be read and study your Bible because that's what the Bible tells us to do. Whether you're called or not, whether you're, you're 12 or, or 35, we've all been commanded as Christians to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, that the, 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 the man of God may be thoroughly furnished in all good works this morning. Rightly dividing the word of God this morning. That's not just for the man of God behind the pulpit. That is for the men and women of God who are saved by the grace of God, who have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been commanded to study and read and meditate upon the word of God and apply the word of God. Go to Bible college, study real hard and put in all the effort and God will let you pastor a church. Can I say this morning, it's not God's will for every man to pastor a church. But here's this morning, we buy into this mantra that the more I do, the more I serve, there's something bigger and better for me. There's a greater reward than what I have now. You pastor that church long enough, God will give you a bigger and better ministry. There's that mentality out there this morning. I'd encourage you to Google churches that need pastors. There's whole boards all across the internet that you can send in your resume to any church around America. Well, how do you know that, preacher? Because I Googled it before. Preacher, have you sent your resume anywhere? Nowhere else? No, I don't. I'm perfectly content where God has. I'm not looking for anything bigger and better out there. I'm looking for God in here. I'm looking for God to work in my life, in your life this morning. But we have this thought. Our reward is bigger and better things than what we have now. And I say this morning, if you're serving the Lord because you're looking for something bigger and better than what you have now, you have the wrong incentive. You're doing it for the wrong reasons this morning. I don't like that. It goes against everything I've been taught this morning. Well, let's take the Bible this morning. Let's take the truth of God's word. Here's the thing. The gospel doesn't need us to give it incentives. It already has its reward. What is the reward of the gospel? Jesus. Jesus is the reward. Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that all things he might have the preeminence. Christ is our reward this morning. We ought to do it because and for Christ this morning. We daily pick up a cross. It's no longer about us. It's about him. It's about the Lord this morning. I'm just going to follow him, preacher. I'm going to follow him, preacher, but I, I, I ain't picking up no cross. I ain't picking up no instrument of death, preacher. That ain't me. I ain't touching that thing. I ain't going nowhere near it, preacher, but I'm going to follow the Lord. Unfortunately, you won't because you have to carry your cross if you're going to follow the Lord this morning. You will allow yourself to do whatever you want if you don't deny yourself. 
Now realize when we gotta pick up a cross and unchecked, you allow yourself to do anything that comes to your mind. Chapter number nine of Mark is the transfiguration of Christ. There's three men on top of the mountain outside the Lord. Peter, James, and John. The rest of the men are down at the bottom of the mountain expecting to do great works for God. Cast out demons. to heal people. to change lives. What they're doing isn't necessarily wrong. But where's the Lord? He's on the mountain. Somewhere along the lines, they said, all right, Lord, you're going up there, but I'm going to do my thing down here. Peter, James, and John got to see something that the rest didn't get to see. They got to see the Lord in the glorified body. They seen Moses and Elijah talking about Calvary and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They got in on something. Why? They simply followed him. They had the right incentive. It wasn't about making a great ministry. It wasn't even about changing people's lives. It wasn't even about being recognized and seeing the power of God move in a mighty way. They said Christ is our reward. We're going to follow him. They come down off the mountain. You find out those that stayed down didn't accomplish what they thought they were going to accomplish. They come to the Lord saying, we tried everything. It wasn't like before, Lord, when you sent us out and, and, and the devils even bowed down to us. They said, we not like it this time. Well, we couldn't help them. We couldn't fix this young man's son. We, we didn't know what to do, Lord. Somewhere along the line, they dropped the cross and did what they wanted to do. Peter, James, and John followed the Lord. Preacher, I want to experience Christ like that. Pick up your cross. Follow him. I'm going to tell you, flesh, no. You want to turn off the TV. You want to put the phone down. You want to turn the computer off. You want to turn the radio off. You want to get a quiet place. You want to get separated from that which is around you. You want to quit hanging out with the people you're hanging out with. You want to quit doing the things that you're already doing. You're going to say, I'm no longer doing that. I'm picking up my cross and following Christ. I'm telling myself no to myself, and I'm following the Lord. I remember I was talking with a preacher that was leaving one church, going to another. And he said, Brother Tate, he said, the church I'm headed to, he said, they better pay me good. I said, yeah, I hope so. He said, listen, I'm in the prime of my life. I've got experience underneath my belt. I, I know what the word of God says. He listed off some more superlatives. He said, so they ought to pay me Prime pay rate. I said, okay. I'm just thankful for whatever the Lord does. <laughs> See, when you've been as broke as we have, you're thankful for anything. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that young man told me, I ain't working for nothing less than $20 an hour. I said, well, you probably ain't going to work. <laughs> but here's the thing this morning. I'm not building a resume this morning. I'm not up here preaching because I want to pay raise. I'm not up here excited because I want to get you excited so you'll put more money in the offering plate. It had not been for the grace of God this morning. I have not obtained anything. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Everything I have this morning is because God gave it to me. 
And I say this morning, you put down your cross, you'll start following the wrong thing. And you'll be insensitized by the wrong thing. The wrong things will pull you away and pull you towards them. Let me ask this one when it comes to serving Christ. Is he your reward? Or are you looking for something else? Notice number one, those that pick up the cross and follow the Lord, they'll have the right incentive. Notice number two, this morning, they'll have the right perspective. They'll have the right perspective. Look at verse number 35. For whosoever shall, will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's the same shall save it. Now, my grandparents were raised by Depression-era parents. And a lot of that mentality rubbed off onto my grandparents. They were both very young right after the Depression in the Middle East. Or not the Middle East. I'm not from the Middle East. <laughs> you can probably tell that. <laughs> but in the Midwest, Dust Bowl, Depression, just rough life, hard life, hard people, tough people. But my grandparents... Have that mentality, you got to save everything. Because you'll never know when you might just need it. I remember growing up, I thought it was the weirdest thing. They crushed aluminum cans. I'd never seen anybody do that before. They had it built, they had it on the wall. You put that aluminum can up, pull that lever down. I think they were tricking me is what they were doing. I was so fascinated with it. I'd do the whole trash can full. In just a couple of minutes. But they saved everything. I'm talking about butter bowls, tin foil, this, 19 salt and pepper shakers, uh, cups, everything. Now, they weren't hoarders. It wasn't nasty. They just had everything in case they needed it. <laughs> now, some of that has rubbed off on me. <laughs> I don't have a... I might go... Oh, I don't, well, I might go get me one of the can crushers, put it in the house, <laughs> trick my kids into it. But who's in here has ever built anything out of a box? Entertainment center, cabinets, you name it, nursery stuff, all that good stuff. Uh, you, you get it in the box, you unpackage it, you follow the directions that make absolutely no sense. You get done, put everything exactly where it's supposed to be, and you find out there's three or four screws left. That used to bother me. But now I get excited. Because I've got three extra screws now. that I'm going to hold on to just in case I need them. You go to my house, there's screws that fit absolutely nothing. And I've got about 19 of them little Allen wrenches that they send you. <laughs> just in case I need it. <laughs> so I've got all these extra nuts and bolts in my shed that I'll probably never used. But I got them. You buy an entertainment unit and you miss one, call me. I might have it. But here's the thing, if we daily take up our cross, it'll change the way we live our life. It'll change the mentality by which we live our life. The world's philosophy is, save yourself by any means. Save yourself by any means. Even if others perish, keep yourself afloat. I remember hearing it when I was a young boy thinking that makes absolutely no sense, but now it does. The world's a doggy dog place. It is do whatever you can to survive Save yourself. 
Here's the thing. Everything that people are working for in this world, everything they are literally dying for, they are, they are, they are sacrificing their families for, they are sacrificing their sanity for, they are sacrificing their good sense for, everything they sacrifice, everything that everybody strives for in this world has an expiration date. This world has nothing of eternity about it. Once you have it, you'll be consumed with keeping it and controlling it. I've got to get there. Now I finally get there. Now I can't lose it. I can't let go of it. Your passion for keeping it causes you to neglect everything else you have. It'll cause you to neglect your relationship with the Lord. It'll cause you to neglect your relationship with your family, with your church. Here's the thing. Jesus said, even if you gained it all, even if you had it all, you'll still lose it. You'll have to lose everything that you have to get it, and once you have it, you'll lose it. But when you pick up your cross, and you tell yourself no, and you follow Christ, he'll give you the right perspective. He'll realize it's not about saving yourself. It's not about success. It's not about having what everybody else has. It's about serving and pleasing God. In reality, it's about losing your life for the gospel's sake. Losing your life for the Lord's sake. Losing your life for the ministry's sake. Losing your life for the, for, for, for the truth's sake this morning. Yet if we lose everything we have for Christ in the gospel, there's a great reward. It's a great reward this morning. If we say no to ourselves and say, Lord, head to toe, in and out, I'm all yours. Here's my cross, Lord. I'm going to follow you. I, I died today, Lord. I mortified my members. I crucified my flesh. I'm not living for myself today, Lord. I'm living with the cross, and I'm living for you today. Well, there's great reward. Oh, yeah, you probably, you probably ain't going to get $1,000 in the mailbox. But you'll have joy. You'll, you'll be excited that you get, I get to do this for the Lord. I get to serve the Lord. The Lord of seeing the difference now, God will let you impact people's lives. You'll be able to see the difference in the growth in their lives there's also the award that awaits in heaven. There's the accolade. There's the crosses. Or excuse me, there's, there's the accolade where the Lord tells, well done, thou good and faithful servant. There's also the award, the crowns that will cast at his feet this morning. Jesus said, follow me and I'll give you things the world can't give you. And you don't have to worry about losing them. They'll be well held on to. Here's the thing. I've never heard anybody say, hey, preacher, I finally made that million dollars and my life is completely better. I've never heard anybody say, preacher, I've risen to the top of my, 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 my trade, my job, whatever it is. I've risen to the top, preacher, and it's absolutely changed my life. Preacher, everybody loves me. Everybody likes me. My life is perfect now. Never heard anybody say that. But I've heard a lot of people say, Numerous times say, well, I sure didn't deserve it. I didn't do anything to earn it. I, I, I feel so unworthy of it. Well, the Lord has changed my life. He did that for me. He gave his life for me, a wretched sinner, while I was yet sinning, while I wasn't perfect, while I didn't have it all together. He died for me. He extended grace towards me. I received the free gift and it's absolutely changed my I, why would I not follow him? Why would I not give my life to him? 
Which perspective dictates your actions this morning? Worldly success or heavenly approval? Notice number three this morning. Those that pick up their cross, they'll make the right investment. They'll make the right investment. Verses 36, verses 37 this morning. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? Ah, preacher, see, I knew you was, real, you was really a Baptist preacher. Because you's, you's fixing to talk about money now, preacher. You're talking about investments. I knew you was going to talk about money, preacher. Why do you always talk about money? First of all, I really don't. Last time I, re- I mentioned it was in Sunday, I mentioned it in Sunday school this morning as a review, but before that, it was a few weeks before that. We talked about tithing and giving and sacrificing for the Lord. Second of all, why are you so concerned about it? <laughs> Do you think it's yours? I'll preach, I gave my 10%. Let, let, let me help you out this morning. It ain't, God's isn't the 10% and you get to keep the 90, it's yours. God owns it all this morning. <laughs> Uh, what do you mean by that, preacher? Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything you have this morning is God's. It ain't a 90-10 relationship. It's 100% God's. He's letting you steward it. He's letting you use it for his glory this morning. Let me ask you this morning, what'd you invest? What'd you invest this morning? Uh, preacher? Well, nothing, preacher. The markets are closed today. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm not sure that I, I, I have to ask my financial advisor preacher, uh, uh, give me a second, I'll get back with you. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. Here's the interesting thing. When I taught it in kids' Sunday school class, they got it. They understood. A tenth is the Lord's. I will gladly give that to the Lord. My daughter made $5 somehow this week. And she said, Dad, what's 10% of $5? And I told her, she said, make, help me make sure I put it in the offering plate. They get it. They understand it. They're grateful to do it. And here's the thing. They get money sporadically. Birthdays, holidays, somebody being nice to them. Here's $5. Those of us who God has blessed us with a steady income, a good job, financial success, and we're getting out given by a bunch of eight-year-olds. Being out given by a bunch of 10-year-olds. That don't feel good, does it? But it's honest. It's honest. God loveth a cheerful giver. Remember what he gave you this morning? He gave all of himself to you. Pick up your cross this morning. Some of y'all, your cross is tied to your wallet. You gotta let go of your wallet and give it back to God. What'd you invest spiritually this morning? (laughs) Boy, you can feel it this morning. It's all right, though. It's part of growing. What'd you invest spiritually this morning? Did you invest in your Sunday school teacher with prayer? Did you invest in the next generation with encouragement instead of fussing at them the whole time? Hey, the run of the sanctuary, tell them to stop. Then tell them you're glad to see them. That you're glad they're here. Did you invest in your children by making church attendance a thing of excitement, not obligation? Hey, y'all get up. We got to go to church this morning. Come on, let's go praise the Lord. Preacher, that's crazy. Try it. See if it don't change the church service. 
Did you invest in your spouse by encouraging them to seek the Lord together with you? Did you invest the gospel when you go out to eat this afternoon by leaving a track in a tip and witnessing to your server this morning? Preacher, I don't know how to do that. How many of y'all pray before you go out to eat? Or pray while you're sitting at the table? Right? Right. Before you pray, just ask your server politely. Hey, listen, we're fixing to pray. You got anything we can pray about? I don't remember that lady that we met at Huddle House. I, I still don't know her name. It's what I, even if I knew it, I couldn't pronounce it this morning. But thankfully the Lord knows. <laughs> I was going to try to say it while I was praying, I just stopped. <laughs> Lord, just help her with all her problems. It's a simple witness this morning. You ain't got to be crazy. You ain't got to stand up on the table with a bullhorn. <laughs> Invest this morning. Look for ways to invest. But you don't have to pick up your cross. Because if you're not carrying your cross, you're living for the flesh, and the flesh says me. Me, me, me. It's not how we're, all, we're, not, not how we're supposed to live the Christian life. Here's the thing. We don't mind investing in youth sports and programs so our kids can get plastic trophies and paper certificates. There's nothing wrong with those things this morning. We don't mind investing thousands of dollars into our children's education so they can learn things that they'll never use again outside the classroom. We don't mind investing into youth sports programs. We don't mind investing 40 hours into a job every week where you will be replaced a few days after you're gone. We don't mind. There's nothing wrong. I mean, I encourage you to work. I encourage you to get education. I encourage you to, to exercise and learn this morning. There's nothing wrong with those things except when we only invest in them and not in the things of God. There is no profit in worldly investments. Just loss. I beg to differ, preacher. I got a 401k that says otherwise. Yeah, how much are you going to spend after you're dead? You're going to lose it all. There's no loss in, there is no loss in heavenly investments. Just gain. Here's the thing. When we invest in a worldly sense, we invest, or when, they, when they invest in a worldly sense or by the world's means, it's a hope so. I hope this makes me money. I hope I turn a profit. Biblical investment, guaranteed return. Prove it, preacher. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Matthew 6, 20, 30, excuse me, Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 8. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Let me ask you this morning, where are you investing? Where are you investing? Then notice number four, this morning, it'll give them the right identification. When we pick up our cross and follow Christ, we'll have the right identification. People will know who we are. If we're not willing to take up our crosses daily, we're in essence saying, Lord, you don't know what you're talking about. And he isn't right. But when we do bear our cross daily, it identifies <clears throat> who we, whose we are. There's only been one Christ who came and died on a cross and rose again the third day. Buddha has enlightenment. Muhammad has paradise. Hindus have nirvana. Christ had a cross. The world wants nothing to do with the cross. Why? Because the world loves their flesh. And the cross goes directly against their flesh. It tells them their flesh is wrong. And when I, as Christians, put down our cross, it is because we too want to follow our flesh. 
There's no spiritual excuse that aligns with me and you laying down our cross and no longer following Christ. The world doesn't identify us because we have a name tag. I don't walk around with my name right here. <laughs> I was at Vacation Bible School this week down at Brother Sonny's, and they spelled my name wrong. Brother T-A-P-E, tape. <laughs> I took about it the first night, went back the next night, bless her little heart. <laughs> she, she handed to me, she said, I don't know if I spelled that right or not. And it said T-A-P-E. Again, I said close enough. <laughs> close enough. I, I, don't, I don't walk around with a name tag on <laughs> and say, hey, y'all. I'm the pastor of South Haven Baptist Church. If that was the case, they would not have mistaken me for the donut delivery boy when I went to the hospital one time to pray with church members. Here's the thing. The world doesn't identify us because we wear a name tag, because we wear a T-shirt, because we have a bumper sticker. They identify us because we're different. Or we should be different. They were first called Christians at Antioch. Why? They resembled Christ. They talked like Christ. They walked like Christ. They lived like Christ. There was something different about them. Here's the thing. When me and you willingly take up our cross this morning, we'll live by godly principles, even when it costs us. We'll strive to be faithful, even when it isn't convenient. We'll stand on God's word, even when it isn't fully explained and we fully understand it this morning. We'll pray believing, even when we ask for the impossible. We'll tell others about Christ, even when they don't seem to care or they seem too far gone. We'll forgive even when the hurt goes deep. We'll give even when we have spent it on something else, even when we could have spent it on something else. We are obedient even when disobedience seems easier and funner. When we take up our cross, we're telling the world who we identify with. I don't carry my cross in shame. I carry my cross because I'm grateful that Jesus would save somebody like me. And when we don't pick up our cross, we live by the flesh, we're telling the world that we're ashamed of Christ and what he did for us this morning. I think about that song. We sing it at camp every year. I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. And I enjoy the first verse because I have decided to follow. You've got to make the decision before you ever make the action. I've made the decision to follow Jesus. But then there's some more verses to it. Though none go with me, Still, I'll follow. We talked about that this year, that if you're going to follow the Lord, you've got to follow, have right friends. Preacher, how, how do you find a good friend? Find somebody that even, even if you won't, they still will. Follow Christ. Surround yourself with those people that they enjoy your encouragement, but they don't live off your encouragement. Though none go with me. Nobody else bears their cross, Lord. I'm going to bear mine. I'm going to follow you. Though none go with me. Still I follow the cross before me and the world behind me. And I say there's a whole lot more under the cross of Christ than the world could ever offer you this morning. I don't want to live for the world. I want to live for Jesus. Who are you identifying with this morning? Where's your cross at? Let's all stand this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed.